welcome to What About Us. This is Sandy Rice, and this is a podcast that discusses policies that affect rural Tennesseans. This is season two, and all episodes are available uh, on iTunes and Google Play. We hit the 3,000 download mark last week. Wow. Thank you so much for listening. A huge thanks to our healthcare workers across the country and the world who are risking their lives caring for the ill with limited personal protection, equipment, and resources. Another big thanks for the people who are staying on the job to allow us to have medications, groceries, gasoline, and wine. I'm hoping that the hairstylists and pedicurists are some of the first people who can go back to work. Okay, for this week, it's not enough that we have a worldwide COVID-19 pandemic, but we also have a global refugee problem that goes all the way to rural Tennessee county government. Stay with me, because I'm taking it from the top. Let's start with some definitions. Okay, a refugee is a person outside the U.S. seeking refuge. Based on international law, the U.S. defines refugee as a person outside the country of his or her nationality who is unable or unwilling to return to that country because of persecution or a well-founded fear of persecution based on his or her race, religion, nationality, membership in a particular social group, or political opinion. This is usually we think of a war, a civil war, some kind of violence. Another term um, is misplaced person, and that's someone who cannot rely on their country for protection. Their government is corrupt. Leaders use their power to exploit the people. They use natural resources to extend their own personal wealth and political power and embezzle funds at the expense of the wider population. Not good. Asylum seekers are people awaiting refugee status uh, by the United Nations High Commission for Refugees. This is an important fact. Refugee is a status confirmed, uh, conferred upon an individual after extensive vetting investigation, background checks, interviews, and health evaluations that can take up to or over two years. The law that establishes this process is the Refugee Act of 1980, which defined a refugee, established resettlement under the U.S. Department of State and the Office of Refugee Resettlement under the Department of Health and Human Services. It's a federal program. Another definition is immigrant. Immigrant refers to people crossing uh, uh, national borders, where we think of migrant as being an older term, maybe used more when settling the West, or farm workers moving from one crop to another. You can use them interchangeably if you like. Immigrant may be spelled with an I or an E. Um, It is usually a person who chooses to move to be with family or um, have uh, an an improvement in their economic situation. Uh, Farm workers, uh, poultry and meat workers, maybe construction workers, um, family members of uh, Cubans settling in Florida would be um, immigrants. This is not to be confused with illegal immigrants who enter uh, a country without meeting requirements for entry. Now this is where we hear a lot about our southern border, where in March alone 29,000 were apprehended. Um, now, some of those folks may have legitimate claims for 
uh, asylum or an eventually refugee status. For example, some are seeking asylum from the countries of El Salvador, Guatemala, and Honduras. Many of them are women and unaccompanied children fleeing violence in their community and or home, especially trying to uh, avoid recruitment into gangs and exploitation in the form of prostitution or human trafficking. Uh, again, corrupt governments that are not able to provide them safety or security. Let's take a quick look um, at the worldwide problem of refugees. These are not immigrants, not illegals. In 2019, 70 million people were seeking refuge. refuge. This is a massive shift of humanity, usually to countries that are, are low and middle income. Um, I'm just going to go through these countries. I know you've heard about them in the news, and they're, uh, they're just very difficult to, to keep up with what they've gone through. Of course, Syria, 6.7 million refugees. It's considered the, most, the worst humanitarian crisis of all time. They've been at war since 2011, and actually their whole history seems to be filled with uh, war and civil war. There are millions of refugees in Jordan, Turkey, and Lebanon. Afghanistan, uh, 7 million refugees abroad, uh, many in Pakistan and Iran. 700,000 are displaced within the country. Um, this is due to unemployment, insecurity, and political instability. Sudan, 2.3 million, prolonged conflicts and civil war. It's the largest crisis in Africa. Flooding and drought felt to be related to climate change. Uh, the soil has had a depletion of nutrients. Women and children are most effective. Mal malnutrition is um, um, rampant. In Myanmar, formerly Burma, 1.1 million refugees. They've been in a war since uh, um, 2017. Their situation there is considered ethnic cleansing of a minority. This is the Rohingya Muslims. They are targeted for violence and persecution. They are fleeing to Bangladesh. Their government does not recognize them as people. Somalia has had decades of conflict, drought, and flooding. It has 0.9 million refugees uh, traveling to camps in the Horn of Africa and Yemen against children suffering uh, from malnutrition. What's the U.S. response to crisis? These are all countries on the other side of the world. So the United States used to be a world leader in accepting people from other countries who were fleeing violence as refugees. But the numbers of people that we uh, accept has been decreasing steadily. Uh, President Obama was criticized for reducing the number to 110,000 um, before leaving office in 2016. Uh, Trump, uh, President Trump reduced it to 85,000. Uh, remember the travel ban? He had a list of Muslim countries uh, that uh, did, he did not want to accept um, refugees up. This whole process was held up in court, if you remember that. In 2019, President Trump further reduced the number to 30,000, only settled about half of that number in 2020. Um, that number is um, going to be 18,000, something that the president uh, determines. Uh, so down to 18,000, um, while the global refugee population has increased by 50%. Uh, another example is Iraq. So the United States led the invasion of Iraq in 2003, forced Saddam Hussein from uh, power, also, we're trying to find weapons of mass destruction. 
So thousands of Iraqis worked with the American troops, diplomats, uh, and contractors. They served as translator and translators and cultural advisors. Those Iraqis and their families uh, were threatened and in many cases attacked by both Sunni, uh, Sunni insurgents and Shiite militias who accused them of siding with the Americans during the um, eight-year war. So um, we had promised them um, refuge in our country for helping us. So there is currently a limit of 4,000 Iraqis uh, to be uh, brought into the United States. 100,000 100, of them are waiting. Now, 14,700 have been pre-screened. Remember, we talked about all that they had to go through, and 2,100 have been interviewed um, to come in. But staffing cuts and lack of infrastructure, uh, and especially political will to rescue and resettle them, is lacking. There are more refugees than places our government has made places for. Public opinion about refugees. Uh, a May 2018 survey found that 51% of Americans felt there was a responsibility for us to accept refugees. Now, 74% of those were Democrats and 26% Republicans. Now, we know that there's massive negativity by the current uh, administration about immigrants and refugees. They're kind of all glommed together. Um, and this is a page from an old playbook that aliens are the source of all our problems. Violence, poor wages, loss of jobs, poor economy, poor health care, poor education. When, in fact, good old American uh, politics creates these things for us um, or refuses to change them. Let's look at Executive Order 13888 uh, issued on September 26, 2019. President Trump uh, decreed that the federal government would need to cooperate and consult with state and local governments to create a pathway for refugees to become self-sufficient. Sounds like maybe a good thing, but maybe it's another hoop. Anyway, it was been, it's blocked by a Maryland judge because it does not appear to serve the overall uh, public interest interest. Three refugee settlement agencies um, sued uh, against that executive order as so many uh, things kind of end up in court that happen. Um, so it was opened up theoretically to all the states uh, if they wanted to participate in refugee settlement. Now 39 said that they would participate. 17 with Republican governors including Governor Lee who consented to refugee settlement uh, in December of 2019. He said, the United States and Tennessee have always been, since the very founding of our nation, a shining beacon of freedom and opportunity for the persecuted and oppressed, particularly those suffering religious persecution. Uh, he has uh, religious and personal reasons uh, including uh, both he and his wife volunteering to work uh, with refugees. Um, the mayors of Shelby, uh, Davidson, Knox, and Hamilton County also agreed to accept refugees. And Tennessee uh, has um, accepted refugees since, well, I don't know since when, but in the last four years, 
2016, they accepted 2,000 into our state. Uh, 2018, uh, 478. 2019, uh, 692 refugees and an estimated um, 600 uh, for 2020. I'm sorry, I don't know what happened to 2017, but I'm sure that we took some in there. Okay, but um, Tennessee has a history of trying to refuse refugees. Um, there was a lawsuit uh, by our legislature in March 2017 that said it was unconstitutional for the State Department to force a state to take refugees and then uh, make them pay for them when they did not consent to it. Um, and that and that battle rages on. Um, a quote that I thought was um, good from Lisa Sherman um, Nicholas, who's the director of Tennessee Immigrant and Refugee Rights Coalition, said in uh, July of 2019, um, that the Tennessee General Assembly used this litigation to stoke fear and division instead of working to solve real problems facing their communities. Um, the lawsuit has uh, been defeated twice in court. Uh, so she went on to say that after two embarrassing defeats in the courts, the legislation must finally put this hateful lawsuit to rest and put our taxpayer resources to better use such as funding public schools and increasing access to health care. Throughout the debate around the lawsuit, Tennesseans have shown up to defend the life-saving work of refugee settlement. I put this quote in because this podcast often talks about increasing access to health care and funding public schools. Anyway, the battle uh, continues into 2020, uh, into the beginning of this year's legislative session, uh, January 15th. Uh, latest update is March 27th, where um, the Assembly is going to petition the Supreme Court to look at this case. Um, this has been uh, covered in the Memphis uh, Flyer, uh, several articles uh, about this. And of course, Memphis does have um, a refugee uh, community and many, many supporters of that. Um, I just want to point out that we're in the middle of a pandemic uh, on March 27th and throughout the first of the year, since the first of the year, uh, that we're still uh, pursuing this lawsuit. Uh, in addition, uh, the General Assembly uh, meeting in January uh, put forth House Bill 1578 that local governments must adopt resolutions to accept refugees. It needs to pass by a two-third vote and then go to the House, uh, Senate, um, the House and Senate, and pass by two-thirds vote and then be signed by the governor. Uh, on March 3rd, the joint resolution passed uh, 75 to 25. Um, so local governments may be asked to take refugees, but, but they have to agree, uh, and then it goes to the legislature for a vote, and then the governor has to sign it. For those of our regular listeners um, to the podcast, this is another example of how the state legislature inserts itself into what a local community or the citizens of Tennessee can do. The big biggest example um, is uh, that we cannot ourselves propose an initiative 
for expanding Medicaid. It has to come from the legislature. Um, and this has how Medicaid expansion has uh, worked out in, in many other states is the people decide, and we do have over uh, usually over 60% of Tennesseans wanting to expand Medicaid services, which I've talked about a lot. Um, but, but we can't do that ourselves. We have to wait for them. Another example is um, setting uh, communities setting their own minimum wage. Uh, and considering an income tax, this is, uh, we'll never be able to decide this. And the reason I mention that, not having income tax, as we've talked about uh, last season, is that um, just depending on sales and property taxes is very regressive. In other words, it's a greater burden for the poor than the rich. Income tax kind of levels that out by people that have, a healthy income, they would pay taxes on it. So those those are some examples of things that we can't decide on um, ourselves. So in other words, if you wanted, if your community wanted to have refugees um, and voted for it, we, we couldn't because it would have to go to the state. Um, I'm going to talk about what's happened in Franklin County because you know, it's a completely opposite. Um, they don't want any refugees. So let me tell you uh, a little bit about that situation. So the Franklin County Commission is our local government. We were never asked to resettle any refugees um, and never have been as far as I can tell. But Mayor um, Alexander wanted to be proactive and consider a resolution to ban refugee settlement uh, in Franklin County. Um, a resolution was was uh, discussed in January. It was brought to a vote on March 6th, but it was postponed uh, to April um, to get some additional information, but it was pushed to a vote on March 16th. Okay, again, no request for refugees to be settled. There was no need to opt out. There was no need to say, we don't want them, only to opt in to say, we want them, refugees. So it's not forced, make that clear, not forced. Kind of at the same time, this uh, March 6th, March 16th, what was happening, we had our first case of COVID-19 in Tennessee, March 5th, and we were right on the verge of being shut down as far as county offices, restaurants, bars, whatever, that was all what was going on. But still, the county courthouse was packed on March 16th, according to County Commissioner Helen Stapleton. Why? Why did so many people come out for that? Well, there's a group called the South Cumberland Conservative Network, and they mailed a flyer probably to all Franklin County voters. Uh, it was full of misinformation, fear, and intimidation. This two-page flyer, uh, well, it's one page, both sides, pictures 15 outlined figures. Um, these are quotations. Um, unlimited and unchecked refugees. Uh, a flood of impoverished refugees, unchecked for infectious diseases, eligible for welfare, and costing Franklin County taxpayers even more money. Along with this, pictured and identified um, were three commissioners claimed to have struck down the resolution. That hadn't even been brought to a vote, so I'm not sure how they struck that down, but they called one a ringleader and invited the public to call or email him personally, intimidation. And finally, calling residents to, quote, take care of our own citizens first, 
unquote. Okay, let's do some fact checking on this. First of all, there's a national limit of 18,000. Uh, Tennessee in total looking at 600. Uh, so that's not unlimited and unchecked. Or, or a flood. Uh, they are um, asylum seekers first. They're vetted for up to two years with background checks, screening and interviews, cultural orientation, and determining which agencies will help them and where they will live. Disease. They may have health problems due to lack of medical care in their country of origin or encountered during their flight from persecution. These are addressed by health care services in camps and refugee processing centers before admission to the U.S. The CDC monitors and prevents admission of refugees with conditions identified as hazardous to the public. Okay. Who pays for these uh, refugees? Well, this mostly federal funds. The State Department and the Department of Health and Human Services help them resettle and rebuild lives uh, in America. Resettlement organizations, churches, and volunteers create a help, helping network of housing, furnishing clothing, food, registering children for school, how to access shopping, how to make appointments, and um, sign up for language services. Okay, refugees can apply for a job. They are subject to the same taxes, uh, employment, property, sales, but they can't vote. They can apply for citizenship in five years. The Tennessee Immigrant and Refugee Rights Coalition estimates that 86% 86 are employed at jobs with health benefits and pay $43 million in Tennessee and local taxes. Okay, and um, we need to take care uh, of ours first. Well, I can agree with that. I agree that expanding Medicaid using uh, temporary assistance for needy families, SNAP, or the food stamp program appropriately, including child care assistance, job development, and training, creating a living wage, are all ways uh, to take care of our own first and we're having problems with that, whether or not we have refugees. Also, I think we could take better uh, care of our teachers with salaries and better public education. Okay, in this uh, meeting at the courthouse, Ms. Stapleton identified the homeless population as being um, taking care of our own and suggested looking into building a shelter. Uh, this was met with um, no response and eventually we couldn't afford that. She also noted uh, Mayor Alexander's concerned about overcrowding in our schools but she also noted as a member of the commission discussions about um, how school enrollment is dropping and the average age of the county's population is increasing. Ms. Stapleton also stated a concern about overcrowding in jails. Well it is uh, well documented that refugees and immigrants avoid trouble at all costs. They want to be able to stay here. They don't want to be um, picked up or uh, jailed and be thrown out of the country. They, they want to stay. Um, we also see small towns and businesses struggling, closing, dying to a low uh, population in our county, our rural counties and our counties that surround us. In addition, an article in the Herald Chronicle 
uh, February 16th noted that the Franklin County mayor was also concerned um, about being again forced to participate in a relocation plan um, it's, n it's not forced and to provide housing other benefits and schooling that would be costly okay I've already discussed how this is done by resettlement agencies um, an economic burden on hospitals um, the refugees would call it economic burden on hospitals well if you listen to anything on this podcast you know that I feel that um, we are burdened and our hospitals are burdened by not expanding Medicaid that is what is closing our hospitals causing increasing numbers of uninsured uh, initially I had you know mentioned um, scapegoating um, you know who is who is responsible for the problems that we have in our communities is it the refugees or the illegal immigrants or the immigrants I think not other myths about refugees they don't pay any taxes and and, I, and I've heard this before um, that that's that's just something that's always uh, come up well they don't pay any taxes well they do and we talked about that they take away our jobs they keep wages low there's a lot of this um, that went on in the legislature earlier this year um, that we wanted to keep um, the wages high well we have a lot of minimum wage people it's not a living wage uh, they don't have health care we have problems with uh, quality education all these things are blamed on immigrants and their their um, the policies that we currently have in effect in Tennessee uh, they get refugees get special money uh, for cars um, homes etc no that's not true they get very little money and if they have uh, an, a medical emergency they have to apply uh, for assistance uh, to, and meet uh, financial income um, and resource uh, proof of resources just like anybody else does in Tennessee that would be primarily um, uh, Medicaid and probably um, food stamps um, they don't make any contribution to society many communities across our state and country value the contributions of refugees and the contributions they have made through the sharing of their talents skills cultures and customs not to mention the positive impact of helping someone become a part of our society and eventually our country um, remember where these people come from from the beginning of our dis discussion um, war and violence and poverty and relocation and um, disappointment fear unlike anything that we have ever known uh, they're not going to take advantage of the things they get here and risk either being sent back or having that ideal of what they could make for themselves and their families and what they could contribute to this great country of ours refugees have helped to revitalize rural communities in other areas but Franklin County said no how about yours what is your county what is your community saying about accepting a few refugees unfortunately many of our rural counties are not going to be eligible or asked to 
because we just don't have the support systems that are needed to resettle a family. Okay. Um, refugee, in summary, refugee resettlement is only a small part of larger global problems currently played out uh, as COVID-19 pandemic. That's related to voluntary mass movement. You know, a large part of this pandemic is felt to be related to travel and business. We move around. I've never been to China, let alone Wuhan, but many people in America have. And although there are some exceptions to that, um, we really feel that uh, international travel contributed to this as well. And what about climate change? another looming crisis as people seek to improve their lives economically and escape inequality, corruption. Climate change causes flooding, heat, crop failure. Uh, we're warned about that. Um, as uh, sea waters rise, as the ice caps melt, and as overall we retain more uh, greenhouse gases, it's going to get hot. There are no easy solutions, like making America first, or building a wall, or sowing hate against people around the world. We're going to need to be informed, the public. We're going to need to elect responsible individuals committed to finding workable solutions to these challenges. We need the best people, economists, scientists, physicians, chemists, epidemiologists, interpreters. The COVID-19 crisis has really made us aware of that, have they not? We don't need a revolving door of yes men and women. We will need educated and thoughtful leadership concerned with national and international affairs, not making everything a political or partisan issue, lashing out at world leaders, diplomats, journalists, elected officials, and especially citizens. We will need good, reliable, accurate, consistent information and transparency, not propaganda, Conspiracy theories, bots, trolls, foreign misinformation, or hyperbole. One example. An April 2019 article in Atlantic Magazine, author David Frum asks, or, um, estimates that under present immigration policies, the U.S. population will exceed 400 million by 2050. Currently, it's 331 million. He says, quote, nobody is seriously planning for such population growth. Building the schools and hospitals these people will need, planning for the traffic they will generate. Nobody is thinking very hard about the environmental consequences either. What's our action plan? Read, listen, watch, look at documentaries, listen to podcasts, check on Wikipedia. What can you learn about these countries? that are so dysfunctional. Does your church sponsor refugees, send money or people? Get involved and learn all that you can. Pick a country or country in Central America. What really is going on there? What does your county mayor think? Is he or she considering a re resolution to ban or to accept refugees? Check out your state representatives and look at what they did in the first few weeks of the legislative session in January. They support anti-gay adoption. How about after the tornado? Permitless guns? After the COVID outbreak? Permitless guns? 
as far as I've heard, guns won't help us get over the coronavirus. Um, fight fear-mongering. The South Cumberland Conservative Network, Larry Williams is the treasurer, P.O. Box 188, Mine Eagle 37356. Tell him you don't want any of his handouts. Don't tell me if you want his handouts. Fight misinformation. On a future podcast, we'll look at COVID-19 as another example of what misinformation can do. Hopefully, we'll be beyond uh, this crisis by then. Thank you all for listening. Be safe.